Welcome in. I'm so glad you made us part of your day. I'm Tony Moore, expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I interview the best heads in business to bring you all the important trends shaping the $6 trillion food and beverage industry. My totally awesome brands featured here take us deep into the world of sustainability and the plant-based food movement, the up-and-coming CBD and good-for-you categories. How about the purpose and mission-based companies striving to make real change in our world? They're here too. The latest in food tech. You want to learn how to build a brand, maybe scale a brand? I've got you covered. Don't forget to subscribe and follow me on LinkedIn. Stay tuned. Today, I have Maggie Sadowski. She's the president of 8-Track Foods. As founder of the Culinary Architects, she is transforming food categories and she innovates products with her technical food science background. She looks at consumer research insights, just this you know real intuitive eye for catching the next trends, which is one of the main reasons why I wanted her on here. Uh, she's influenced and launched over 100 successful products in her 20 plus years in the CPG industry. Maggie, I should have said we never mentioned dates. We never want to date ourselves. <laughs> people start doing the math. We don't want people to know these things. Um, she is a certified food scientist. Uh, she got her, uh, bach uh, her bachelor's in science of food science from the Ohio State University. Uh, Maggie, welcome in to Winning at Work today. Thank you very much for having me, Tony. Tell us a little bit more about Atrac Foods. The the name in it, the name you know in and of itself is kind of interesting. Atrac. It is. That's probably the number one question I get asked. But you know, there was a time that we drank out of the hose and played with our friends in the backyard and got called in to gather around the dinner table and share our day. But somewhere along the line, something really shifted, and we became this nation obsessed with convenience and highly processed foods and excessive packaging. And so A-Track Foods is about rewinding that clock a little bit and getting our food supply back on track by reinventing the pantry with premium and sustainable products without the waste. So it's really a mission to address some of the major things that are happening in our food industry around food waste and plastic packaging and food insecurity. Yeah, so it's kind of a nod to the throwback. It's it's what we should be going back to. Exactly. So it really is kind of rewinding that clock back to the, you know, the seventies. Even our packaging is is really retro around. It's black and white with the you know bold yellow, kind of reminiscent of the old generic foods. But yeah, it's definitely what we're we're trying to accomplish with our brand. And the eight is to be around the infinite symbol of sustainability and making sure that everything we do is kind of feeding back into itself and not creating any excess waste. Very clever. I did not even see that. You're right. It's the, it's a, it's the infinite loop, but uh, you know, standing on its end, this kind of closed uh, like ecosystem, which is really what we need. We, you know, to reuse what we're, what we're consuming. Exactly. And so many of the products out there are just wrapped in, plastic that you can't really recycle at all. Yeah, it's a shame uh, as we've moved into this, you know, hyper consumer phase of living, we are, and we're, you know, ordering more things online, we're just having everything delivered. 
just the amount of waste. I think the environmentalists have probably been hurt almost the most among the nonprofits who are out there trying to do good. And then when the pandemic hit, it just went, you know, into hyper overdrive of all this extra waste. It's just awful. It is. I mean, it's phenomenal. Like 91% of the plastic we produce does not get recycled. And the rest just ends up in oceans and landfills. It's it's crazy the amount of numbers. Of well, generated. let's get into your product a little bit. I, I I am really interested. So you you've got this fascinating kind of technical background in, in food science, and you've you've picked um, beans. And for anyone who's you know in food, there's a a million reasons why to to focus on beans. Uh, tell me what was your reasoning? Why did you pick this as your as your start? So I've been in the industry. I don't want to date myself how long. <laughs> I will leave that out of the equation. But, you know, my very first product was doing, you know, chicken nuggets and extruding plant proteins and have spent a lot of the industry creating things that emulate and simulate meat. But about four years ago, really felt like we were pushing away from that whole food plant-based diet. And felt like beans alone had been underserviced as far as technology perspective. And I applied for a federal grant through the USDA and was rejected, but kept pursuing it and eventually decided to go after just reinventing the simple can of beans because I felt like it was just underserved and undertreated as a commodity, but we needed to make it more of a staple in the American diet. So how does your product in these, in the beans and the can, how does that kind of fit in with your overall mission to create sustainability and, you know, kind of take us back to that earlier time? Yeah. So I think we're, we're taught that, you know, you shop the perimeter of the store for the healthiest and freshest products. And over time, that was initially kind of what was going on, but now a lot of highly processed products have pushed into the perimeter of the store. And there's the center of the store that also houses really healthy things for our, for our bodies, like, like beans, that um, really can do a lot more. And the best part about using the center of the store products or shelf-stable products is they have a longer shelf life. So with over 40% of the food that we produce in our country being thrown out, my goal is to really drive people back to the pantry and learn how to use pantry staples to make fresh products. And so if you look at it in terms of uh, spaghetti, you know, you pull out a jar of spaghetti and a package of pasta, yet when you serve it to your family, it is a fresh meal in consumers' eyes. And so I'm hoping to do that around beans and many other pantry staples as we go down the line. Yeah, that's kind of an aha moment for me because as you were describing that, I was thinking that's exactly how I think about spaghetti or anything like that because the you know the tomato sauce, it is shelf-stable. You know, I pick out my favorite one. Maybe I want to go with a premium brand. Uh, maybe I want to save a little money. I don't go that route, but I can – you know, jazz it up a little bit and, you know, serve a different type of noodle. And my family feels like, Hey, this is a fresh cooked meal. And you don't have to go out and buy something and bring all these, you know, plastics in the house. Exactly. And you can use products that are 
shelf stable and can you can still create these fresh meals from your house you know i mean think of all the things that you can make with the can of beans with chili it's everything is coming out of your pantry you can use jarred garlic um you know cans of tomatoes cans of beans and just spices and everything you know isn't being wasted or thrown out from a consumer perspective because you know good intentions get lost as you move through the week Oh my God. Sunday night, right? We all feel like we're going to plan our week out. We're going to build our food menu. And then come Tuesday, you're running through the drive-thru. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Life gets in the way without a doubt. Oh my gosh. All right. So I really want to understand, uh, you know, how you built this company, you know, how did you do this? Yeah, it's a good question. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you've been here for what, two years, right? And I'm seeing you everywhere on LinkedIn. I'm seeing stories about you. There's something happening here. Yeah. So it was really fortuitous for us. I started um, finding partners and canners in summer of 2019 and started creating everything. And I have to laugh. I'm pretty sure that everyone laughed at me when I said I was going to launch a line of premium canned beans prior to um the pandemic or you know just gave me funny looks <laughs> like you have lobsters crawling out of your ears yeah, I, 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 you right. go girl you go you go oh the- bless you we say in the south bless your heart oh, bless your heart yeah sweetheart you keep going <laughs> um, and so um launched in january of 2020 did my first production run in early february of 2020 and was the proud owner of lots and lots of beans at that point in time and had plans to go to the natural product expo. And then, you know, we all know kind of what happened in early March around that. And so at that point in time, I was probably the largest hoarder of canned beans in the country. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you were your own supply chain. I was, I was, you know, I had no outlet, but I had a lot of beans. And it really, the coolest part about what happened is really just prior, nobody had a rule book, you know, it was all just kind of like this open market, everybody was shifting, but everything that I had built and designed around the product was for this moment. And it wasn't necessarily that I was predicting a a pandemic, but I did, when you look at all the issues that the consumers are consumers, the whole planet's facing around food waste, plastic, climate change. A lot of that is pointing to the direction of we need to go back to our pantry staples. Well, I think that, I mean, that's, that's really your concept of, you know, taking your background and predicting trends and behaviors and you just, I, I don't ever use the word luck because I, I just, I do not believe in luck. Um, I feel like you were put here at this time for this for this idea, and you obviously were, you know, you had an inspiration, an intuition, if you will. Yeah, without a doubt, I had a strong intuition that this would happen. I, I thought it would take a lot longer to manifest, but I really, truly believe that this is kind of the wave of the future. We already see grocery stores eliminating plastics from their stores. There aren't a lot of great solutions out there, so. A lot of that will be attributed, I believe, to consumer behaviors that have to kind of trend backwards. And those take a long time to manifest. It's not usually something that happens overnight. With the pandemic, it certainly did change overnight. You know, with everyone 
flocking to the stores to hoard, you know, toilet paper and canned goods, there was also this like younger generation that was looking for something better. And we were, we happened to be a brand that was addressing the concerns of a younger generation and not a 25 year old or 20 year old stale brand. Um, so that was really our launch pad. Everything about what we were doing was ready for e-commerce and social media and how we, you know, and how the packaging looks, it's very different than anything you'd see on the market. That really was kind of the impetus to get us started. You had such an advantage in that you didn't have to go back and update an old dinosaur. You are, you knew you were going to be, you know, going to e-commerce and, you know, kind of managing a website and having everything mobile ready. I mean, I think that was, uh, that did help, right? That you already kind of had that in place. Tell me though, have you, have you been struggling with this concept of, am I going to develop a product or am I going to develop, develop a brand, right? There's a, there's a difference there. What's your take on that? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of one hit wonder brands. You know, when you build a, a product and then, you know, let's just say I made vegan caviar and that might be my like great product, but building a brand is really different. And that was how I approached it was a very different way rather than, even though I know technically I can launch some really innovative and cool things that everyone would get excited about. I wanted to build a brand that people would trust off the bat and that we would start with probably the least sexiest product in the grocery store, a can of beans. And so if, <laughs> I, could, if I could get people to rally around me and my can of beans, then I really felt like we had a stronger presence to grow as a brand and then start to build in some of those other ideas that are maybe a little bit longer term. So the concept of aquafaba. I don't know if you're familiar with aquafaba or your audience. It's that, you know, when you have a can of chickpeas, it's that slimy liquid on the top. But that, I didn't know there was a name for that. Yeah, no, it really is. It's like a bad, you know, sniglet or something. But yeah, it's called aquafaba or bean water. And that bean water is actually highly functionable. And you can use it as an egg replacer and a lot of vegan products and it whips up like a imagine it, it's the coolest thing ever even if you just do it for a science experiment take that liquid put it in a mixer and mix it on high speed and it really foams up like whipped cream and then what do you do with it so yeah that's a lot of the the research that we're working on around how to stabilize it how to make it taste better and you can use it you know you can eat it as a meringue um you can follow us on our website. You can see it as like a pumpkin pie. Nice plug uh, back to the uh, website and the Instagram page. That was unplanned. <laughs> well, no, I didn't mean to do that. It just, it just comes well, why, let's, let's, uh, Hey, it's all right. We're talking about your brand and, and kind of how you built it. So that's, um, that's cool. So, you know, as you're in this phase of, of building a brand and getting people to trust that, you know, you are doing the right thing. You've got the right mission. You've got the right, you know, scientists and minds behind it. Do you have a vision for like other categories that maybe you want to go into or is, is it too soon to, to talk about that? Oh, I'm such an inventor that my entire office is filled with the beautiful pantry that will, that will be 
if you guys stick with me and help me out. But um, yeah, so I definitely want to move into a million different categories, but the goal is to really own the pantry and really make a sustainable product line that will kind of all feed into itself and build off of each other. Well, I love that because I was on your website and I noticed you had a pantry starter for all the different types of beans that you have. So really kind of keeping with that theme, you might truly have a pantry starter with, you know, 10 of your different, uh, you know, categories that you, that you plan to dominate (laughs) and you could literally just, you know, one click and have everything you need to kind of get your pantry started. That that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, definitely. Well, so tell, tell me more. I mean, that you, I'm really, I mean, people are wanting to start these businesses. They, they're, we're kind of in that mode right now of entrepreneurship. Um, What else did you do to uh, start this business up or, or launch it? So when COVID hit, while everyone was kind of scrambling to get going, I really took that opportunity to find the cracks in the system and The cool thing about launching in a pandemic, it left us in a different space that probably would have been cost prohibitive for me early on in this stage. There weren't trade shows, so you didn't have to, you know, spend the money to get there or do a booth or anything. I had the opportunity to get in front of buyers in a way that nobody had ever really done that before. And so, you know, all of a sudden doing pitches on Zoom and you know, became something that I was doing from my kitchen to launch to some of these major retailers, which gave us a strong advantage. And, you know, and also one of the benefits that we had too is, you know, I certified as a woman-owned business and with everything, with the pandemic and shifts with, you know, diversity and inclusion, a lot of these major retailers had to support you know, women-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses, they they had to put their, you know, money where their mouth is, I guess. Yeah, that definitely helps. It, it definitely helps. Um, I'm curious, though, as you, I think you've, you're kind of touching on this, and, and maybe this is where you're going, but, you know, you're, you're kind of selling in a non-traditional way, right? You were kind of looking for the cracks, these kind of these, these outdated modes, did you kind of tweak your own kind of USP or um, unique selling uh, proposition? Yeah, I think so. I think early on before I launched pre COVID, everyone would look at the can of beans and be like, well, what's your differentiating factor? You know, Maggie, you need to put it in a glass jar. You need to make it easy open or is it non GMO or is it organic? You know, it's just this litany of bumper stickers that you're supposed to have around your unique selling proposition. And once we really started to, to grow as a brand and push out into other markets, it really became apparent that we were more trusted and around a time where people were kind of losing their footing in the world of, you know, products. And so creating this unique selling proposition for us became more around the brand I don't, I don't want to say the brand promises, but they were more around the other attributes that we were bringing, that it wasn't just the product itself and the attributes that it had. It became how we sourced our products, who we partnered with, the, you know, 
the organizations we that helped clean up plastic that we partnered with supporting local food banks in ways that we hadn't planned on necessarily when we started, but a can of beans became really important in 2020 and we were able to make a lot of impact. So I think we did shift the definition of a unique selling proposition from that January of 2020 to now. There's a lot of greenwashing going on right now. And it sounds like you've kind of avoided that, which in its in and of itself, I think is is good because it's just it's just kind of mind numbing. Everyone is just saying that. Right. Everyone has all these like little it becomes white noise and everyone's saying, like I always feel like it's smoke and mirrors when you're telling somebody they have that you have all these things. It's you want to kind of dive and peel back the label a little bit and find out what they what is really there, what they don't have. When you launch and as you say, you know, you're this innovator and you're looking around your office and you've got millions of ideas that are kind of coming from you and people are giving you these ideas. Do you find it hard to protect your vision? I I, I would imagine, you know, it's you, you can be pulled into a lots of different areas, right? And I'm I'm kind of curious. I know we talked about this a little bit ahead of time. What's what's the the, the takeaway from from that? Well, food is such a personal thing and everyone eats. So therefore everyone is a food expert, you know? So even when I, you know, so everyone wants to give you advice or tell you how to, to manage your product and how to approach everything. And even so in the early days, I tried to solicit funding and it was really difficult because all anyone saw was that can of beans and everyone wanted to reinvent it or make it you know, fancier, whatever. I don't know how you can make it fancier, but glass jars, easy open. Gooder. They it, they wanted to make it gooder. Right, right, right. Or, oh, now you need to put this on the label. And if I followed all that advice, I would have, you know, there wouldn't be any packaging left. I would have all the wonderful benefits. <laughs> <of the product. laughs> um, so really around funding, just protecting that, I needed to do more, that the idea needed to be more techie, needed to be more, um, that I couldn't be successful with a, a can of beans. But I don't think anyone really saw all the dots that I was connecting. And it was hard. It was hard to protect that going on. And even with grocery buyers, I see a lot of it too. You know, I don't want to offend any buyers, but they really are kind of the gatekeepers in getting our products on the shelf. And so as a young brand, it's really difficult to kind of um, get there, you know, once you get on the shelf and, you know, protecting your margins and all of those things are really important in ultimately protecting the vision of the brand and where you want to take it. Cause it's easy to get caught up in the, you know, 10 cans of beans for 10 bucks just cause you want to move volume. But that wasn't ever you know, what we wanted to portray as a brand. Yeah, I imagine that takes a lot of courage to say no to a buyer when you know they ultimately do control, you know, what gets on the shelf. And meanwhile, you're just trying to protect your vision, right? Everyone's trying to give you advice and and, and give you their wisdom. And meanwhile, it's like, can't you just, you know, respect the idea as it as it stands, just evaluate it as it is? Yeah, I mean, it's really funny because especially with beans, everyone just has this notion that all cans are created equal, all product within that can is created equal. 
And that is not the case. But yet we spend, you know, $6 on one bottle of water and $2 on another and 99 cents on another. But for beans, for some reason, that is one of our biggest hurdles as a brand and making sure that we can overcome that with consumers and let them know how we're grown and, and the care that goes into it. Well, as you go through this process of, you know, saying no, but maybe saying yes to some ideas, you know, as you're kind of finding your way into the retail space and kind of managing your, your, your e-commerce, are you, I'm just curious how much like, this is, may sound like kind of a personal question, but like how much failing do you go through as part of your learning process? Because this is, although you, you have successfully launched a lot of businesses or ideas, it's a little different when it's your own baby. Yeah. And I, I would say I've created a lot of products and created a lot of strategies, but I hadn't that middle ground of like, once you create it, now that it's, it exists, you're like, oh, everyone will come and buy my beautiful product and they'll just come off the shelf. But there has been a lot of learning for me around the distribution and the grocery stores. But that's been sort of the beauty and why I chose the product I chose is that I didn't have to learn those and I could cut my teeth on a product that I knew would survive the distribution chain. And if my forecasts were really bad, I wasn't sitting on a ton of inventory that was going to go out of date. And so... I think that's been that failing with purpose. I've made a lot of mistakes, but they didn't sink the brand because I was able to manage that through the products that I initially designed. Well, yeah, I guess because it, it does have such a long shelf life, I guess you're really not worried about failing in in that in, in that way, right? Because it's it's shelf stable. Right. And you know, like I said, you think everyone's gonna love you and they're gonna adore you and they're gonna be like, oh yes, you're Beans are the best. I'm going to spend it, you know, an extra bit for them, but that isn't always the case. Well, yeah, I mean, you see things that go viral, and you see like all the social posts when people take pictures of what they're doing. I, I don't guess too many people are doing that with beans. <laughs> so I guess you, you know, I mean, I'm sure you are. You take pictures with beans, but I'm sure <laughs> we have to go through a cultural revolution. It's actually been really funny because, you know, you have to figure the household penetration on beans is pretty significant. You know, even vegan and vegetarian diets are are pretty small in the scheme of the world. But the thing is, is that's been cool because all so many people do post pictures of them with beans and they have been just they do super proud to share our beans and the recipes. So, you know, okay, now, yes, I got you making curry. So. They're using beans, but it's been something that they've been kind of embarrassed about and not sharing it. But because our packaging is really designed to share on social media, um, it's been pretty cool to watch. You know, I love it, you know, because I typically do stick my foot in my mouth and typically I do it at the start of the podcast. This is this is unique. We're toward the end and I'm finally doing it. So that's good. Good. (laughs) Always, always put me in my place. That's 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 important. Well, you're improving. Uh, <laughs> you're improving. I am improving. I went almost 25 minutes without a, a major gaffe. Yes. Um, no. So I, as we finish, I'll, I really do want to hear more about your social mission. You know, kind of walk us through that again and tell us, you know, where people can find you and, and what the, some of the best ways to connect with you, Maggie. 
With our partner Clean Hub, we've been able to eliminate 2,200 pounds of plastic out of our oceans. That's over a ton. They have an all-female recycling company that's in treaty, and they help facilitate that and monitor it. So we're able to donate our proceeds and collect more. And on food insecurity, we've been able to do a lot of things in the partnering with our community programs and local food banks to help a lot of families, you know, through this crisis of the increasing cost of food and just the food insecurity. So the company, even though we're still young and we're, you know, a drop in the bucket compared to a lot of these things. It's been such a rewarding journey to go through this. Um, Ape Track Foods is sold on hivebrands.com and shopvegivijii.com and our own website at apetrackfoods.com. And then we are in nine states with Whole Foods. Uh, in the Midwest. That's great. Is that a, um, is that kind of like a pilot program or is, is that okay for now? Just kind of stick with that. Yeah. So I wanted to do a regional launch, see how well we're doing before we can, you know, scale up and model it for a larger distribution channel. Initially in picking, that was kind of the cool thing about COVID is we were able to, you know, pick our partners through all of this and, strategically aligned with those that were kind of forward thinking in sustainability and programs against it. So we've got Whole Foods and then Air One is out in Southern California. So we're, we're aligning with the right people. We're not trying to just go mass scale right away. A lot of the independent grocers is a big climb in that happening right now too. Well, that's great. I'm just, I am so thrilled to finally have met you to get this podcast done. I've seen just so many cool photos of you out in the fields, you know, looking at your organic crops. I'm just so excited. We finally had, had this opportunity today. And I just want to encourage everyone to go out and buy some beans and prove me wrong and take some great photos of <laughs> all your kind of, you know, chef crafted, home crafted meals. And, uh, yeah, tag, tag Maggie and, and tag winning at work and kind of prove us, <laughs> prove us wrong. <laughs> this is happening. Everybody loves beans. Right. Oh, is that, is that the hashtag? <laughs> no, but we should make that a hashtag. There you, that's it. Everybody loves beans. So tag it. Everybody loves beans. Um, you know, hashtag winning at work and let's, uh, let's have some fun with that. Maggie, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Tony. I really had fun.